Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today we're talking with Madison Lucas of the band Modern Moxie. We talked about Fiona Apple's 2005 album, Extraordinary Machines. We also talk about creating a version of yourself that you present to the world as an act of self-preservation. Modern Moxie released a new EP, Gutter Honey, in March, so check that out wherever you listen to music or directly from them. Please check out our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we talk about records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. Subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more and get an exclusive episode every week. Really helps us keep doing what we're doing here and we super appreciate the support. So check that out. Okay, no delays. Let's chat with Madison. Hey, Madison, how's it going? Hi, Josh. I am doing awesome. Glad to be here talking with you on Spinning Out Pod, eating a banana and uh, hanging with my cats. So, mm. Well, we are talking about Fiona Apple's 2005 album, Extraordinary Machine, that came out on October 4, 2005 on Epic Records, and it's her third album. And it was produced by John Bryan and... Mike Elizondo and Brian Cajal. So, what I'll ask is, when was the first time you heard Fiona Apple or this specific album? Oh God, I can't. I don't know if I can remember the exact moment I first heard Fiona Apple. I feel like she's just always been with me. Like, I mean, title obviously is probably the first, you know. But I something about this album when I got it, it was just a a really weird time, like especially angsty time period for me. And I was on, um, my parents had forced us to go on a family trip together to the mountains with no internet and no anything. And I had my like Walkman and I had just bought that CD and I didn't think it would ever come out. Like they talked about it forever and it would never, Yeah, it was like years but um, I just listened to it repeatedly for that entire trip and just like burned it into my brain. It was it helped me through a hard time. So it just always is gonna mean a lot to me. But that's that's my memory of that album. I it was years. I don't know how many years it was exactly, but it was tied up with her label for a while. I, I remember yeah. reading like they didn't like it. They didn't want to put it out. It was this huge deal. And then yeah. Her fans like leaked a lot of them online, which was really cool. I don't remember mm-hmm. actually listening to the leaked version though. I only know this after reading like post, you know, yeah. doing research. I didn't know all of this at the time. I was just like, yeah. Have you heard the other version of this album? The no leaked version. I have not. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't list it. A lot of times, <laughs> I don't like. Sometimes it's like there's different versions of records, but I'm like. Well, this is kind of the, this is like the version that was released. Like this is the official version. So usually I'll just, you know, it's like, there are certain albums where it's like, I could listen to the mono version. I could listen to mm-hmm. blank version, but it's like, so the kind of versions that we're talking about. So there were the, like the John Bryan sessions. Yes. And so John Bryan's an interesting guy in that 
I feel like he's come up a lot on this podcast because he's like a guy that always like works behind the scenes with with bands his name is everywhere and, you're right yeah he he does a lot of nowadays he does a lot of music for movies like and even kind of around this time and before he did like uh sunshines of the spotless mind um soundtrack oh did he do that and, it's a great yeah. soundtrack and he also worked on uh, a Kanye record. Um, so he's like works all over the map. And actually the Kanye record that he worked on, Kanye wanted him on the record because uh, because of this Fiona Apple record. And so so he's like a guy that has his hands like touching a lot of different things. Yeah. Uh, but the kind of version that you're referring to, so they started working on that and probably before this, it was like in 2003 or, mm-hmm. you know, even before that, because if I'm not mistaken, I believe the record before this was like, I don't know, like 99, maybe. I know it was a while. I think it was before... eight years or six, yeah, six to eight years, something like that mm-hmm. between the two uh, of them. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big gap. I mean, especially for an artist, like I, I get kind of weird about talking about like when, <laughs> Uh, bands have big gaps between albums because I, I guess like personally it's like I think of like how long a gaps my band has had but it's like you know we're doing it when we can it, it's interesting when artists like Fiona Apple have big gaps because theoretically they can just kind of have everything paid for I'm not you know mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if Fiona Apple is like technically rich because of it but it's like it sound it seems like she's this gotta idea, be a little rich. Well, to us, yes. Yeah. But you know, um, like so, I would assume that if if Fiona Apple wanted to make a record, she could essentially make a phone call, and she doesn't have to worry about any of those details. Like for us, we're like, oh, I gotta play this brewery, or I gotta do this. A thing, lot of and, steps. You know, I gotta figure out, yeah, where all this money's gonna come from, and then so you look back and you're like, oh, I gotta write this song when I'm not like in the middle of working like 60 hours a week or whatever it is. But for someone like Fiona Apple, it's like their life seems to be writing music. So to have like a eight year gap, mm-hmm. you know, that, that seems interesting. I actually watched a, there was a David Letterman interview with her and he was kind of like, what are you? So we might've watched the same ones. Did you see the Carson <laughs> Daly one? The... Yeah, I saw that performance. Um, but Letterman was like, "What? What have you been up to?" Mm-hmm. Like, and she was like, "I don't know, just like." I love her answers. She's just like, yeah. chilling, like laying on the couch for six years. She loves to chill, and I I really respect that about her. She just doesn't give a shit. She's just like, "I'm gonna do what I want to do." So, sometimes she doesn't want to write music, so she doesn't do it. Yeah, I, it feels like it's like whenever people are kind of like, "Oh, I chill." I always kind of, you know how when you meet somebody that's like very positive and like sometimes when I meet them, I'm like, but what is it? You know, I try and it's like, I want to find the thread, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't think that probably says a lot about me that I'm trying to find (laughs) the thing that makes the person unravel. But like, when someone's like, I just, it's there. Yeah. But with, with even like watching those things where she's like, oh, I just chill. I'm like, well, yeah, but the thread that. I could probably pull that, and I, I don't know. I don't know this person at all, obviously. Pull, but pull you know, thread. it's like I assume that a lot of it is probably self-doubt, just kind of based on like the songs, or it's kind of like a. I assume that Fiona Apple is really hard on herself. She she literally <laughs> yeah. said it in that Carson yeah. Daly one. 
he asked her about her self-esteem and she was like, oh, I don't have any of that. Like, let's Which not is talk wild. about that. But that's how she feels, you know? Yeah. So, But it's wild because it's like, well, to me and you, it's Fiona Apple. I know. Like, that's like, it's like, it's like if you were to hear like, I don't know, I don't know why I'm saying this person's name, but it'd be like if Michael Jordan's like, some days I just don't want to get out of bed and you're like, what the fuck, you're Michael Jordan. Get out of bed. <laughs> Like, be Michael like you're Jordan. like you yeah. don't you shouldn't have that you know and they're just people you know yeah <laughs> even though they're famous it doesn't change anything i don't think from what i've heard because you know yeah. i know like zero famous people from interviews that i've read it seems like it almost makes it worse because you have so many people talking about you all the time you know yeah it's interesting too to think that Fiona Apple could have turned anything in and let's I I, I believe on the on the kind of first version of the record like John Bryan is featured on it like very heavily Mm -hmm. so I think what Extraordinary Machine ended up being those other producers and herself kind of contribute a lot more things they kind of read they redid like the whole record Mm -hmm. so the John Bryan sessions is what we'll call the other version of the record um, I can't imagine what the kind of clout he would have had and she would have had at that point that you could turn anything into epic records and them not just be like, you're Fiona Apple. Of course, this is fine. But to think of them being like, this isn't good enough. I don't know about this, Fiona. Yeah, who do they think they are? <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's wild to me. It's just like, I, I guess the idea was like, oh, we don't hear any... We don't hear any hits. They didn't hear singles or whatever. Singles. Yeah. yeah. But who cares? Yeah. I don't know. That's what I love about it, though. It's so weird. That's the best thing about it. And I I feel like a lot of Fiona fans wanted the weird, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, we want it to be strange and all over the place. So they just didn't get it, Josh, the epic people. (laughs) Do you feel like this was kind of the birth because i mean i haven't spent a lot of time listening to fiona apple like other than like that what d- i've that surprises me josh you don't sit around <laughs> listening no. to fiona not, all day. not really and i feel like i i kind of i'm like what was i okay so this is something i feel like i didn't want to admit to but i i kind of get fiona apple and alanis morissette mixed up i could see that in my head yeah <laughs> both very so, yeah. um you know rebellious long hair curly kind of looks like a fairy i totally understand it yeah and they also both seem like they're kind of like doing their own thing yeah very like specific like, sounds Mm-hmm. yeah and so sometimes when i think about certain songs i'm like oh that's Lannis morissette but i feel like Lannis morissette has like a different vibe than fiona apple does overall but so i don't know with listening to this record i was like oh I should have spent more time listening to Fiona <laughs> Apple. I didn't realize yeah. it was like this interesting. Um, Welcome. There there are certain things about Fiona Apple where I'm like, I guess where I can see that like Epic Records in 2003, this record came out in 2005, like she doesn't feel like she exi- should exist in this time. I know. <laughs> like it, she feels like somebody that's like from the 40s or something. Yeah, I think yeah. that's why I love her voice so much because I really, I do love a lot of 40s music. I listen to a lot of like really old stuff. So maybe that's why I love mm-hmm. her so much. It does sound very vintage. It's got that certain something. Very 40s, you're right. 
So do you feel like, is this like the first album of like weird Fiona or that did that kind of happen earlier? Yeah, I feel like, like it how, was. How the... does this compare to like early Fiona? Title was just, it. this Extraordinary Machine is just so experimental and has so many weird instruments in it and sounds and like that like weird bell thing that she does at the I don't know. I think it's the choice of instruments. And the way she plays piano, and there's a lot of like dissonance. The chords are weird. I remember mm -hmm. when I first heard, like the first time I heard it, I was like, I don't know if I like this. I'm not sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, I felt the same way. Yeah. But then it's one of those albums that every time you've listened, I've listened to it so many times, it's, it's changed in my head. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you start to hear it differently. But... Her first album's not like that. You listen to it, and it's like, oh, this is a beautiful song. These are harsh and, like, strange, you know? But yeah, they. I feel like she really captured some of those emotions, you know, when with relationships and when people are running all over you. You know, it's, it's hard to put that into sounds, and she just did a really good job with that. Yeah, I... So, yeah, when I think about, like, early Fiona from what I remember, like, it just felt kind of, like, more of what was, in a way, on the radio at the time. And, like, because I think her first record's, like, 95 or something like that. And uh, so kind of going from... There's elements of this record that I would almost describe as, like, spooky and ooky. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, but it's it's not like it's trying to be, like, creepy music, but those kind of, like weird spacings with stuff where it'll be like yes. kind of a little piano lick and then kind of a bing you know, yeah. kind of thing ding. like it feels like a it's like a you're in the house alone and there might be like a cat lady mm -hmm. you know hiding and vibes too, you know yeah vibes yeah so yeah, but um it's one of my favorites uh when you were so okay so when you were in that in the, on that family vacation Yes. And you were kind of like getting into this. Can you recall like what your feeling upon like first listen was? Just like all her lyrics. Like it's mainly the lyrics for me. They just connected so hard with some stuff I was going through at the time. Um, and it, it was just it was, it's the lyrics, the lyrics for me. It captured me immediately. The music, I was like, what is this? It's really strange. But over time, I mean, but yeah, it, uh, I would seriously just like sneak up the mountain and, um, smoke cigarettes. My family at the time didn't know that I like smoked. So I was like hiding in the woods, just like sitting with my little headphones on. But, um, it was a time, it was a time for me, you know, but Fiona helped me, helped me through that weirdness. So yeah there there was also it could have been the carson uh one or maybe the david letterman i I can't remember but there was a point where you was essentially the question was like almost like who are you so angry at you know and then it's like i but i was watching it and i was like they would never ask like a guy artist the same thing i know you know like there's so many so much art written by men that are just their version of it is just like they're mad at a woman it's you know it broken down to the simplest elements you know and so it's like but it, it does feel like kind of still weirdly revolutionary when you hear like this kind of like anger pointed back at what i would assume 
would be a man, you know, or at least like, I'm pretty that's certain. How... I'm pretty certain. Yeah. Who and knows so, though? She, yeah, I don't. I don't know. She's pretty private. She does know? not tell anybody anything about relationships, as far as I know. But um, someone hurt her in some way, for sure. Yeah. And I'm just like, who would do that to Fiona? Yeah. But I think what's and I think what's interesting is like someone would think in an interview like, "Hey, what's wrong?" <laughs> kind of like, "What's wrong?" Are you okay? But it's like I don't. Yeah, but and they would do that like, "Cheer up," you know. But it's like they would never ask. No. You know, like a male artist, the same thing. It's no, just men like, are, Yeah, this is. Yeah. Men are allowed to be angry, and women are not. It's a really strange thing, and I'm not really sure why that's a thing. I think about it all the time. If guys are angry, it's like, oh, he's he's powerful. He's a leader. But women do it, and it's a totally different story. Yeah. You know? Like terms will be like, depending on how you express it, you know, shrill might be a term people yeah. use. or like. Can we say oh, bad yeah. words on here? I didn't even ask you. can say you. bad words. Yes. Yeah. It, it, straight to bitch. It's yeah. zero to bitch. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's definitely that's the one people are like, oh, she's being a real bitch. Is she is she yeah. or is she just, you know, making a point about something? I don't yeah. Know. I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm often, let's say at band practice, like I, I'm being a real bitch a lot of times <laughs> to, you know, and so it's All like. All it genders can be bitches. Like, yeah. And I'm doing it every time at band practice, you mm-hmm. know. Um, well, someone's got to so, do it. Yeah. <laughs> someone's got to do it um, or at least that's what i tell myself you know um so i want another thing that i was kind of looking at is the idea that people viewed this kind of the critics viewed this as like not as successful of a record and it's interesting because like when, when i look at it and i guess i'm not sure like how many i i, I assume it must have been more with like title but this is still like a gold record. Oh as yeah! Of like I think a year after it came out, like did she get know, a Grammy? I feel like she got a Grammy, or somebody got a Grammy. Gra- she was Grammy nominated in two thousand and six for this one, right? Yeah, and so that was like that's you huge. Know, so I think this is yeah, I think this is kind of around the point where it's like, oh well, she may not be selling records in the way that she was. Like maybe let's say she went platinum, and I understand that's a lot, but it was like. They start people start kind of recontextualizing her as like almost like a musician's musician, and it's it's still silly though because it's like this still sold a million records. That's so many records. Yeah. Could you imagine yeah. selling a million of anything? Like no, no, I can't no. either. Yeah, if I don't, I think they just want to give her a hard time, and she hates the Grammys. I I mean, you've have you seen the classic Grammy speech when she gets up there? No, no, no. Yeah, for. She got one for title, and she got up there and was basically like, "All of this is bullshit. Don't pay attention to anything they say." And then she got like blacklisted, and then got one anyway. It was this whole. You should watch the video. It's incredible. I'll oh, send that, that so to that you. was around the time title came out. Yes, it was. Oh wow, the bullshit speech. It was. It was amazing. Yeah. It was so good. Do you remember like watching that around the time that it happened? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, we're seeing it on the news. I mean, I was mm-hmm. a kid. I was born in 86, so how old would I have been? I'm not great at mental math, but young, you know. But yeah. it was everywhere um, when she did that. It was like huge news. Mm. Maybe only to me, though, because I love Fiona. 
you know, maybe not everybody. Yeah. I think around this time frame, um, if I'm assuming that the first record came out in like 95, um, then I don't think I owned a TV <laughs> at this, or, I mean, I didn't really own anything cause I was a child, but, um, but yeah, my parents, uh, there was like a point in our lives where we didn't have television Good for, for you. religious reasons. Well, there's probably like, there's like a positive thing that I could, that it could be now. Like if I got rid of my TV now, I'd get so much stuff done. Um, but like it was, you know, as a kid, it wasn't like my decision or whatnot. So, yeah, yeah. that's tough. I I knew other friends that their parents did that. And I was always like, how do you live? Like, what do you do? But, um, it's probably good for you as a kid, you know? Yeah. I mean, it did get me to like read a bunch. Um, so just to note, the first record came out in 96. 96. So, so so yeah. So yeah, 10 years old. So about the same for me. So uh, being that I didn't have TV around that time frame, um, I, I wouldn't have known anything about Fiona Apple. Um, I think it's like I knew because like it was it was unavoidable. Like when I'm just like looking through the uh, track listing of title, it's like, you know, the hits. You know? Yeah, like Criminal. So, I think the Grammy was for Criminal or maybe the whole yeah. album. But uh I'm not good with yeah, my and that makes sense. Grammy facts, but uh, my memories of childhood around ten. I don't. I don't think I was listening to Fiona Apple. I was listening to like probably the when did the Backstreet Boys come out? That was an embarrassing phase for me. So that would have been like I guess that 12, probably would have been like late '90s, early 2000s. You know? Later, I did go through a like heavy Aerosmith phase oh, wow. as a kid. Yeah, I had that. I don't know what it was about Aerosmith, but I had that. This is so embarrassing, but that like Big Ones album, it was like mm-hmm. all their hits. I would just listen to that nonstop. There's Aerosmith's a really interesting band because I feel like there were so many points in their career where people were like, "That band is gone." Like they're like, they're not coming back. And then they did something. They like made constant deals with the devil. And just like keep coming, reinventing themselves. Like, like around, there was like a point in the eighties where they did that, and then there was a point that you're talking about in the nineties that they when did the jaded, same thing again. Jaded yeah. came out, or that what was the other one? It's like something about the radio. They were well, they very also had popular. a video game. They had a video game that came out around. I don't remember this that time at too. all. What kind they of had video this game? game uh, so there was an arcade game. So essentially, like, if you went to, like, an arcade in the mid-90s, you could usually... There were, like, kind of two examples of the site I can think of. There was Revolution X, which is their video game, and then there was, like, the Terminator 2 video game. Uh, So essentially, any video game at an arcade that had, like, a gun mounted on it, that that was kind of the ideal at the time. So the concept of the game was that you needed to stop the new rock order... And you would, uh, you kind of like, these people have been like, uh, these people have been like kidnapped and you got to help, uh, you got to help them get released and you got to help, uh, rescue Aerosmith as well. That's incredible. So. And I hope Abari is going to have it at the reopening whenever they reopen. Someone needs to get that game. It's probably really I, expensive. Well, we should see if we can do like a Kickstarter to try and like, Cause I mean, they would probably like 
add it to it but i think we might need to do like a community fundraising like maybe maybe yeah. a series of shows to raise money so that a bar you can get just revolution x i would so, love to play uh, that that sounds amazing yeah it came out in 1994 and it said the gameplay is similar to midway's earlier terminator 2 judgment day which goes exactly to what i, was I know saying. that one i definitely know yeah. that game. it's it's kind of the same type of gameplay it's like it's like a side scroller you have a gun and you shoot things and it just kind of changes the level you don't you don't move or anything you're just kind of like shooting as things yeah. go but for this it's just like a um it just kind of loops the same Aerosmith songs over and over again. So it just has little snippets of like, that's the game whatever. for me. Yeah. And it's like MIDI style. So it's like, <laughs> you know, and then you're just like shooting and you can also shoot CDs. What? Yeah. Oh man, yeah. this sounds made up. I can't wait to actually yeah. look up a video of this. Yeah. Just look it up. Just uh, like, look it up, like Google it. And there's YouTube like gameplay throughs and there's like modulators too, that you can just like go online and play it. Yeah. You know, preferably after we're done with this. Not I really. would love to. Like I've yeah. seen plenty of band pinball machines and I love those. Like there's the kiss pinball machine. That's amazing. Um, Abari has so many of them. I love pinball. I could talk about pinball for a while let's not let's not do that <laughs> yeah well i i'm kind of thinking <laughs> i think it's interesting the kind of juxtaposition of so there was a point in your life where you were like all fiona apple and then you kind of got into like classic rock was like the big thing I, or I, it was just good aerosmith market I, I don't even know what happened or why i listened to the things that i did like when I was younger, I went, Beatles came early. And I think it was yeah. because uh, I saw a box set commercial. Remember those commercials where they would just like play bits of songs and it was like the new box set from the Beatles, the whole discography. Oh, yeah. They were always like, they were always like time life kind of things, you know. Yeah. Uh, they would just kind of play. Like whenever they didn't have something programmed, it would just be like. A long one. You know, all the soul hits, you know, and then that would play exactly. little snippets of songs. So it's like, I feel like I ended up only knowing songs by like these short snippets that they would play. You know, um, I've, I've talked about this with friends where it's like there was a there was like a hair band commercial. It was called like Mo uh, Monsters of Love or something. And essentially, it's like burning your brain is almost like a medley of all these songs. They go you know, together because, in that way. Because of the commercial. Yes. You know, yeah. That happens to uh, me. <laughs> I found a lot of music I liked through this. Like we were talking about TV. I watched a lot of TV as a kid, to be honest. But I remember the moment I first heard Hey Jude and like saw Paul McCartney's face. It was one of those. I saw it and I was just like, what the hell is this? Someone tell me about this. I had never heard it in my life. And my parents were just like, oh, yeah, this is the Beatles. Like, I mean, they weren't huge music people. My parents listen to, like, top. they're more top 40 people. My dad's into, the, you know, a lot of classic rock. But my mom's, like, pop hits mm -hmm. all the way. She knows what's happening. In, oh, now. Right. Yes, like, oh, wow. top 40 stuff. She loves it. Nothing and wrong where with did that. You, you grew up, where did you grow up? Great Falls, South Carolina, super small town, um, south of Rock Hill. Does that help? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But um, super small, one stoplight. I mean, I did a lot of marching band. That was like my first music 
was marching band. And we had like 27 people in the band, super small. But everybody kicked ass for some reason. It was like a really good couple of years for band for that school. And we ended up like winning the championship with like 30 people. So it was, it was really fun. But Did you do any Aerosmith songs <laughs> on marching on trump- band? On trumpet? I wish. Probably. Probably. I played a lot of trumpet in high school. I have one yeah. now. I need to get it. The The valves are sticky as a trumpet player. Mm-hmm. That's the most annoying thing in the world. So I just need to go get those sticky valves fixed. And then it's yeah, on. Yeah, I have a trumpet somewhere and it has sticky valves, but I can't play trumpet. So there's never any reason for me to get the <laughs> sticky valves fixed. So they'll just remain. Every once in a while, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot I have the oh, trumpet. trumpet. And then I'll go, and then it sticks. Then I'm like, oh, we'll put that back oh, away. That's kind of what happens yeah. to me as well. But I love trumpet. I played for years and years. And um, I miss it. Growing up in Great Falls, South Carolina, where was like the close? The closest city would have been Rock Hill? Lancaster. If you consider oh, okay. that a city. But it would that's more of a town, I would say. But... Yeah. We would go there to go to the closest Walmart, if that t- tells you anything. Like, we didn't have stores, you know. Mm-hmm. It was like yeah. you had to drive 20 minutes to, you know, go to a... I mean, we had a grocery store. We had a Piggly Wiggly, yeah. which I think... Wow, that's, that's interesting because it's like, okay, so you said it's... So this is probably not even an hour away from Charlotte. It's like exactly an hour away from exactly. Charlotte. Exactly. Is it anywhere close to like Ruby, South Carolina, or is that? No, the towns that are like adjacent is Winsboro. So, like Winsboro, ah. South Carolina. And then there's Chester, South Carolina. Like, my yeah. mom works at the hospital there now. And then there's Lancaster. And that's pretty much it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm getting an idea of the, uh, the, the area. area. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was the kind of like the idea of. I mean, I know that you would have had everything that I would have had. The only kind of reference I have from this is, like, I would go visit, like, family in Georgia, and they lived in, like, Dawsonville and Dahlonega. So um, it's like these are cities just like that. It's like out, outside of going there, no one knows what they are. Right. And then, like, you go, yeah, you have to travel, like, 30 minutes to the nearest Walmart, and that's, like, a big excursion. Like, we would go get supplies from, like, my grandma, my stepmom's mother, and bring them back to her. But it was like 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back. And that because that was the closest thing. You yeah, know? big drive. So so with that, though, I guess given our ages, you know, um, do you do you recall? I always try and think about like what it what it took to get into something like Fiona Apple. I mean, I guess you probably just had TV like the rest of us. But like, what would the process have been like getting that CD like growing up? Getting it? I honestly probably didn't get super heavy into Fiona until right, like, I was coming out of high school and college. But, um, yeah, friends that, like, my I have a really close guy friend, Jackson, who listened to, like, a lot of Nirvana and, you know, Foo Fighters. And I, we used to listen to Midnight Metallica on what was it, the planet, 99.3, but radio. Um, Fiona would, they played her on the planet, I think. Does that even still exist? I don't know. Not, 
It was 99.3, the planet. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think what the kind of the thing I was thinking about, though, it's like, so you feel like around the time that this record came out, do you feel like it started, like, do you feel like it kind of defined you? Like, how? Like, when Extraordinary Machine came out, do you feel like this is like, this is me? Like, this is speaking to me in the ways that, like, maybe music hadn't before? Yeah. I'll, I'm trying to think back. This all blurs together, but like, I started going to shows at okay. the Evening Muse. And like, I met this band from Philadelphia there randomly. And it was like the first time I'd ever talked. Sorry, my cat's really loud. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> but uh, it was like the first time I'd ever talked to musicians. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, in our hometown, I didn't really know anybody who was in a band or, you know, played guitar on a stage. It's just, it's like something you see on TV. You see it, you hear it on the radio. You don't meet a person that actually Mm -hmm. is in a band or something. But I met them there and talked to them. And one of them actually mentioned that album and was like, oh, it's so good. And then, so it was like word of mouth recommendation from people that at the time I was like, oh, I thought they were really cool. So, yeah. but that, but then I actually listened to it. And it pulled me in. But so I guess I, it would really be the muse. Like if I could really tie it back to something. It was like going and seeing a live show and ta- talking to people about music. I don't think I was, I was probably like 18. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, that's interesting though. To kind of like have, because let's say that technically it's like you had a relationship with Fiona Apple, you know, from like hearing it and the, the speech, you know, the Grammy speech. But then that kind of just, it drifted, almost like a friendship. And then somebody was like, kind of reintroduced you to it. And you're like, oh, I've never thought about it that way. So it's like you get a new relationship with that thing that you thought you already knew in a certain way. And I had, I didn't even play guitar yet. Or like, I played piano, but I hadn't even started like really playing guitar until I went to college. Um, so, but... It's just a great album. I, when I really try to think about it, like how I even came across that, it was like a lot of different layers of things that happened along the way, you know? But Yeah. And I guess like getting kind of specifically into it, but also tying it into you, like how do you feel, how do you feel like listening to this record? Do you feel like it influences your songwriting um, in a way that you actively think about still? I hope that it does. I mean, I would, it would be amazing if it, influenced me in any way i'm not sure if it does but um i just love her and how creative she is and she doesn't care i like her spirit and she she tries not to care about what people think about her music and that's hard for me because as a musician you worry about it you know but uh i try to she's i look up to her in a way that she's approached art and like how she can step away from it and not be so, you know, tied into it. So it's more than the music. It's kind of like her approach to art. Yeah. I've thought about that some too. I think like I'd already kind of mentioned, since I insert myself so much into these, these, these uh, episodes, you know, um, I I think like what I've been trying to wrestle with is like some, a lot of times I'm frustrated with like how long it takes my bands to like put out new music or that's what I feel. And, you know, it's like 
when you take have to take some time away because of personal life or just whatever it ends up being to kind of remind yourself that like because you're not like putting out new music now doesn't like erase anything you did you know and that's yes. like a hard thing to remind myself i mean it's probably easy i don't know if it's easier for fiona, fiona apple i want to say it is because like she has more accolades but clearly she doesn't care about them in the same way that we would think Or also, and I know I'm kind of going off a tangent of a tangent, that those accolades don't really define you, you know, uh, don't define her. And so it's like, you kind of think that you would kind of be more secure with yourself as a songwriter because you had like, I don't know, a gold record. You'd think. (laughs) You know, but, but it doesn't seem to be that case with her because it's like, you know, people say like, oh, money doesn't buy you happiness, but it's like these kind of accolades don't exist there forever. So at the end of the day, I guess going back to myself, it's like I got to kind of remind myself that it's like I've achieved more than I ever expected myself to do. Like even if you're looking at it like, you know, it's like if you were on the cover of like, well, local since I'm talking, you know, locally like Queen City Nerve, it's like when in your life would you have expected to, to have done that? And that's like a... That's a big goal, you know? And so I think sometimes like as we continue to make art, it's like we have to remind ourselves of the things that we've kind of uh, accomplished and it shouldn't always be like going up a hill in a way. It's like, oh, I got to get to this next. Yeah. You know, I... and that that's what kind of listening to her and thinking about her like makes me ruminate on. I think about it a lot too, but that's, I think as an artist, you have I know what I have to do. It's just very difficult, but you're supposed to just focus on the process, not, not the outcome. You know, it's like whatever happens, happens. But I like the, you know, playing around on the piano and seeing what happens. Like that's my favorite part of it is just messing around and having, having fun. But it's easy to get wrapped up in, you know, like winning something or I just, I just can't. I, first of all, I can't imagine what it would be like to have a gold record or whatever, but she just seems to not care. And that's so cool. You know, like what, yeah. it, what it must be like to not care about that. I would love to be like that. She's just, she's just the best, Josh. I just, yeah. <laughs> I, just I don't I mean, because I don't know if she, I don't know if she really probably honestly feels that way. I know it's what she projects and, I think it's probably something that she it's almost like an idea of herself because she actually said this in an interview, though, the same one that I think we keep referencing where it's like, what is like, what was extraordinary machine to her? And it, it sounded like it was essentially like an ideal of something that she wanted to almost like a, a character she wanted to create that she could be like, everything hits me and then I just reprocess it and outcomes you know, well, good stuff, you know, like music. Yeah. But that wasn't, she was, but even in explaining that scenario, it wasn't like she achieved it. That was just an ideal of what she had kind of strove, strived for, you know? And that's, that's what's kind of interesting because it's like, if we look at, if we look at Fiona Apple as like, oh, I want to be like her. I bet if you could ask Fiona Apple, (laughs) she'd be like, well, I want to be like that too. Yeah, but she's she's not. Who knows you know? what she's actually thinking? You know. Yeah. It's it. You never know 
any famous person. Like we can only go off of interviews that she had in front of millions of people. So how, you know, how do you really know? She could just be making stuff up. I love it when famous people just like make up answers to things. I'm trying to think of who is that guy? There's someone recently that just this super famous that just invents stories to answer questions. I think that's a great way to handle that. Just make stuff up, you know. Yeah. Don't let anybody yeah. know what's going on. Let them guess, you know. Yeah. I'm not good yeah. at that though. I the the truth just like falls out of my mouth immediately. I don't have any kind of like filter at all. If you had like any specific notes about certain songs, you know, um, you know, I don't want to keep you from it. Oh yeah. I mean, each one of them, I I was I listened through the album like five times today. So fun, first of all. Just as good as I remember. And Waltz, better than fine. That one sticks with me so much. Like the lyrics. Um, she has this line about go out go out on the lawn and do nothing because it's just what you must do and nobody does it anymore. That's like my favorite line that she has on the whole album because I think like in America, it's just like, go, 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 strive, strive, strive. You got to do this. You got to do that. But people forget that you just need to take a moment and just chill and like enjoy your surroundings for a minute and stop worrying about what's next, what you're going to do next. And I feel like she's found this peace inside of herself where she can just relax and enjoy the moment. And um, it's something I'm always working on, you know, because it's hard to do that. You're always like, oh, what's my next album going to be? Are we going to write songs? Am I, am I ever going to write anything ever again? It's like all this negative stuff in your brain. But um, when I listen to that song, it's like Fiona's telling me, just chill, just sit down. You know, you don't have to be doing stuff 24 seven. So, yeah. but um, that one meant a lot to me. And then Parting Gift, Parting Gift is like the best breakup song I've ever heard in my life. It, it, it just, no other breakup song. I've heard a lot of breakup songs, but that one really just nails it down. Like what it's like. And uh, I could go on and on about each individual song, but they're beautiful. Each one is like its own little story inside of itself and they somehow all work together which is insane to me i don't know how she did this it's just magical yeah yeah i was also i was kind of like looking at her because we were kind of saying like you don't get to know like a lot about her personal life you know and i haven't done like a lot of digging like it seemed like her her parents were artists but on like her wikipedia page it doesn't say, usually when you look at a celebrity, it'll say like whatever relationships they've ever been in. Yeah. There's there's nothing. Nothing? For her. Yeah. I love that. How has so, she done that? I don't know. Like that seems impossible. She must just yeah. hide away somewhere and not tell anybody where she goes. I don't yeah. know. For years. Just to, you know, hermit up. I get that. Well, there's... Well, I I guess I should have probably done the research on this before. Same. But so there was a so some of this. So in case anyone's this is a little uh, warning. So since childhood, like she struggled with obsessive compulsive disorder, depression and anxiety. And at age 12, she had she was assaulted outside of her 
parents' house. It, yes. it explains it more graphically. I did know that. Um, so, and I think like some of the things that, you know, I don't want to prescribe, but after this happened, she began attending uh, basically like self-defense classes, like uh, mugging classes and whatnot. And so she relocated to live with her father in Los Angeles. And so she says that she did not write songs about the trauma surrounding this incident in her life. Um, but what I think, though, is like, it's like, I wonder, though, it's like the kind of the breakup songs and not fully those kind of songs that are kind of like about like establishing your own agency, I guess, is the way could be like a response to it or almost like that character that she creates in a way you know it's it's like a a manifestation of like protect what she herself. hopes yeah a protection you know it's like a version of herself that she puts out in the world she even you know, has a song called that to. better version of me yeah. and i think the whole idea extraordinary machine she she looks at herself as this machine that can process a lot of trauma and horrible you know afflictions with her OCD and everything and it just comes out and sounds beautiful but um extraordinary machine that's what she is but you're right I did know about that trauma I thought sleep to dream was about that but I I guess I guess it's not if she said I think sometimes though I mean she would know more than us but I know a lot of times it's like personally I feel like I'll write a song and then other people will tell me what it's about you know, so it's like, I feel like it's like when you're in like literature classes and it's like, you know, people, you have to deconstruct it and you think about like, oh, well, T.S. Eliot meant this when, you know, it's like maybe T.S. Eliot didn't, but maybe I didn't. have to say he did because I'm, I'm trying to get a grade. So it's like, it's easy for me to say like, oh, well, I think that Fiona Apple writes these songs about this trauma and then she's like no i don't and then i'm like well you know it's like we kind of look at these things as like critics because i guess that's the role i'm putting on right now and but i don't know if she even knows you know it's it's you know it's like what version of her does she put out there that's not the version that she is you know or even think about that with like you and i think about like the idea i think you've you've said to me too and uh, just for a quick, I can edit this out if it, if you're like, oh, I don't want this out there. But like, you've kind of mentioned, like, I've had moments where you were like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I should do that. Or I know I was kind of like talking to you about like playing shows and stuff like that. And y'all were doing that. And this idea, cause of like where you grew up, do you ever feel like it's like, you're not allowed to do these things? Like maybe like play a show or put music. Do you feel like it's like, I'll, I'll trim this down to get what I'm actually trying to say. Like, sometimes I personally feel like I'm like, I'll say late bloomer. I want to say a different word because that's my band's name. But like, sometimes I feel like I'm like late to the party, you know, and then I'm always playing like catch up with people, you know? And I think like you've, ex- we've had these conversations personally off this podcast about that, you know? Oh yeah. I definitely know exactly what you mean. I feel very late to every party ever of all time but yeah like I feel like everyone was in a band like everyone I know was in a band when they were in high school like Harry um started in a band I think he was 15 you know most musicians I know started on guitar at like super young you know and meanwhile I was 
playing trumpet in a marching band, you know, so I lost a lot of, a lot of time for really getting, you know, having all those years under my belt for guitar and being on stage. And, uh, I do, I feel you. It's, it's a game of catch up because I'm not, you know, I'm not 19. I wish yeah. I, I wish I was 19, but you know, yeah. I'm still going to do it. I think about that and I'm like, I don't know. Well, when I, like last week I went to three shows and yes, this week I, I wish I was 19. Well, <laughs> I, I wish I was 19 this week, but a lot of times I'm like, I don't know if I wish I was 19 because I feel like those lessons that I learned along the way I had to learn. I, so maybe, oh, yeah. <laughs> so maybe these people that, maybe people that had these little beats in their life that, um, they kind of got taught those lessons and then they're 17 years old and they're like, well, I guess I'm going to go on tour now. But it took me so much longer to get those lessons. And everyone is different, I guess is another way I could say it. That, you know, it, it's, I guess what I'm saying is like, it's never too late. It's not. And I, I kind of hate that society kind of like tells you that it is. And also, I, know. I think it's a bummer to look at someone like you that, you know, you play trumpet and you play piano to to be like, oh, I, you know, I feel like, uncomfortable it's like you're you're much more talented than like most people that we play music with i'll say that about well thank you so (laughs) i never literally have never felt like that but um (laughs) no i always feel behind i feel like everyone's like a master guitarist but i just always want to get better i think it's just part of music like everybody wants to grow and learn and we're never done you know, like my, my piano students now, like they can't believe that I, they're like, oh, you, you practice? Like you still have to think, yeah, I can't just magically learn a song. You know, they think because I can read music, I can just like, they can pop up sheet music and I can play. I'm like, that's not how this works. You know, I need time to work on it. Then I can come back and do it. But, um, it's a never ending battle, you know, the brain telling you you're not good enough for things, but I'm trying to be better about that and do the, you know, positive self-talk and all the things the internet says that we're supposed to do, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you ever like tell the students, because um, I know we were talking about it before, uh, do you ever tell like the piano students and whatnot, like, oh, I have a show coming up um, and are they like Only if it? they ask. I try not to bring it up because I feel... Yeah like an idiot you know what I mean because they're like seven (laughs) like hey I got a show this weekend kid just so you know but yeah they they do they're like you're on stage you get on a stage and and that's why I love doing this because I never had anybody to look at me and, and say that you know like oh yeah you can be on the stage like that's something you could do I just never even as a kid I never thought of it it was just like something other people did you know it's like and I would stare at it and be like, wow, that looks so cool. How do they do that? But that's why I love, I'm so new to this teaching kids thing, but it is just so much fun because they, their minds are just like, oh, I could do that. And I'm like, yeah, get you some friends together, make a band, like start. And they're like, you can see them thinking about it. And I'm like, you know, you do TikTok dances with your friends. Just get a guitar, start singing, you know, but kids are fun. Yeah. I like talking yeah. to them. Well, I think what's interesting too, like thinking about 
children uh, or that kind of idea like it's good to almost like break down those things that like those entries that probably made us harder made it harder for us to get into it and and i think a lot of times too you know this doesn't really tie back to fiona apple but maybe she feels this way it's like it's harder for i feel like it's harder for women because it's like my wife easily is like so much is like such a better she's amazing you know and it's like but no one told her that growing up or like no one really told her like she could get on stage and do it so she even has an experience like you know i've been playing in bands for years before her and it's like you know maybe it's a you know i should have told her more i think like people should be telling women earlier that oh you can be on stage too or even just simply even outside of you know that it's like we should be breaking down those like barriers to entry because when you think about it, it's like it's not technically that hard to get on stage, but if you haven't done it, it feels miles and miles away. It seems impossible. Yeah, you know? yeah, you're right. Like those kids that you teach don't even have to like know how to read music. Just mm-hmm. like plink away and you know hum mm-hmm. something, and then right. eventually you've written a song. Right. That's what I try to tell them. I'm trying to get all of them to write songs now. I'm just like get a notebook. Like just whatever. It doesn't matter. It's all faking it, essentially, a right. lot of times, you know? <laughs> I do tell them that, too. I try to keep it really real with them. Like, I think that's great. Like, we don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, no one knows what they're doing. Um, and I'm trying to incorporate another thing no one told me about ever that I remember is, like, meditation, you know, and a brain exercise, calming yourself down. I do a lot of breathing techniques with them. So I'm trying to, like, tie in a whole like mental health thing it's so short it's only like 30 minutes but sometimes they come in so wired up and I know what that's like because I'm like that I, when I see them it's like little it's like ugh, you know music kids they're like they can't sit still they're like so so I try to do like four seven eight breathing and teach them things like that and your brain is a there's just fish swimming you're not the fish you're the pond or whatever i saw that on twitter and stole it but it's so good but i never had anybody mention anything about thinking thoughts you know to me as a kid like you could work on that it was something i don't know but uh i just feel like music is so much more and like being on stage having stage presence there's so much more than just the music it's like all this mental work that goes into it but um yeah, I mean, it's probably a bunch of stuff that I wish we didn't have to do, but, you know, a lot of it is, like, just the act of, like, doing more than, like... Because there's so many people that, you know, like, we we know, or it's, like, it's not the fact that you can, like, shred on guitar. It's just kind of committing to the bit. You know, like, committing to the act of being on stage. Like, committing to the act of essentially being a version of yourself. Just keep getting up there, doing yeah. it over and over and just hoping that it slowly gets better over time that's what i'm like holding on to yeah (laughs) one day yeah and i guess like so i can tie it back to uh to fiona apple this album was the it's the 49th best album by rolling stone i saw that i saw that it should be higher but i'll you know that's good. And it was, yeah, the 500 greatest album of all time, number 444. That's pretty But there's good. a lot of albums out there. That's really good. I can say that. To be able to make that list. Of know? all time? Like, how does someone even make such a list? I can't imagine. 
I can't even yeah, do like a top ten. I was listening to you and Sarah do that top ten list, top ten albums of like twenty twenty one or something. But like, I don't even know how you do that. Like, pick for one year, much less. Well, I just uh, I try. I haven't done a good job of it this year, but I just try and like keep a note of everything I listen to in the year, um, and then I kind of go if it kind of stuck there. Then, uh, then at near the end of the year, I just kind of revisit it, and then kind of like, oh, does this, you know? So do I still by the like end of the year? Then it's like, what kind of? Even if I look at the list, I'm like, what kind of stuck with me? Mm-hmm. Then that's essentially the list, you know. I have to do that next year. I've never kept track of anything like that. But you're. Re- I keep track of every movie that I watch. That's incredible. Like an Excel spreadsheet or something. No, just like a note on my phone. I was hoping <laughs> it really... had like tabs by like you know categories. I wouldn't be able to remember really anything about them. Like, um, I just kind of like, so basically what I do is I put it on this note. And then if I've already seen the movie, I put a star next to it. And then also if, if it came out that year, I put, I put the year next to it so that I know, so that I guess theoretically I could make a, a list for that, that year. It's, but it's, I, I mean, probably if I stopped doing all these like arbitrary things that I could like, that's an important task and, <laughs> that you're doing there keeping track of all the movies you've ever seen i would love to yeah. know that i've watched so i can't even imagine how many movies like i've watched in my life that would be a yeah. long list well that's like a interesting thing too it's like sometimes i start feeling bad about like watching tv or movies and then i'm like it's still like it's like why why does society kind of tell me that like listening to an album is any better or worse than like it's all art movies are it's all art yeah i don't i don't see a problem with a lot of television speaking of we can tie this back into fiona apple because did you see her on the carson daily one he was like what did you do for the six years and she was like oh i watch a lot of tv and and he's like well what do you watch and she said columbo which was like the most random thing she's like obsessed with columbo for yeah. like six years but i just thought that was a really i would have never guessed that's what she would have been watching you know sometimes i feel like whenever if i've if i've written a lot a decent amount of music which might just be one song that's then all i kind of feel like it's like yeah then i feel like i'm like i kind of got to fill myself back up so it's like you got to like watch a movie or read a book you know or like watch a television show because it's like you need if some you're content putting these ideas yeah it's like i need something to fill me back up so it's like maybe it's like even if you wouldn't listen to her music and be like, oh i can see where the colombo influence came out but it's like it may not be really technically what she needs but it's like what she feels like she needs like i gotta fill myself back up you know so it could be as simple as that like you know i wrote a song i have to this is like the ritual of it all you yeah know? yeah you have to yeah. have something to pull from i feel like musicians are just filters it's just we gotta you gotta put something in get something out if you don't go do anything or watch stuff or read what are you gonna write about like yeah but yeah and before uh, i guess as we kind of start like wrapping up some one thing i i was looking at was so she contemplated between you know the previous album and this record that she wanted to retire uh from making music completely and John Bryan essentially begged her to make the record. 
And then that's kind of what started those first sessions. And then those first sessions became eventually what the album was. So just to kind of think about somebody that had had still already the career that she had had, starting with title and then, you know, win the pawn. And then on to this, it's like to essentially be, I guess, at the top of your game, but just being like, oh, that I've done enough or done. this is all I can do. Yeah. Yeah. I, she said another thing she said in that interview was that she had plans and had already applied to go work on a farm that had animals for like children with disabilities. It was like a therapy farm for animals. And that, that was random. Like of all the things that she would do besides write music, that's not what I would have expected. But I think it's a great answer. I think it's, it's normal to just constantly want to change your life for me anyway. Like I want to be a beekeeper, like a gardener. You know, I have a lot of different paths that sound cool. I don't actually execute any of these plans, but. Well, I think what's interesting about it um, is that even with all of that, it's like she comes back to writing music. So it's like, and I felt that way. I felt that way. Like, you know, as the pandemic happened, I was like, I don't even know if I like playing music. And then eventually it's like, you kind of get to a point where like, oh, I think I, like you said, you said, uh, you know, I I like playing piano. You know, I like kind of sitting there and coming up with something. So it's like, no matter all the other things you do and, you know, if episodes of Columbo or whatever movie, it's like you find yourself drawn back to, oh, yeah. you know, like writing music. And so I feel like her story is so like human, I guess, to put it simply. She's so real. That it's like, oh, that's yeah. me. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have that, you know, that level of talent that she does. But it's like, oh, oh but I either. find myself, you know. She's very relatable poor. as somebody I have, you know, anxiety and a lot of problems, but (laughs) like, it's just nice that someone talks openly about that and not being like, oh, I want to be in the spotlight constantly. You know, it's, it's not the easiest thing to have a bunch of people staring at you all the time on stage, you know, but, uh, it was just refreshing to hear somebody say it's not perfect. All the, all the time because sometimes it can seem when people are on stage like they're having the best time of their life and it's the best moment they've ever had but it doesn't always feel like that sometimes it feels terrifying you know so. yeah yeah a lot of times when you're on stage and if you had a good show like people I mean people don't see like oh well you know my tummy hurt before the show right. you know they don't know all these things you know it's like they only really see your greatest hits like if you put on a good show they see the greatest hits of yourself mm-hmm. you know they don't know that like oh i i had to go get batteries before and now i'm really stressed about the show and a string broke or something they only see that like kind of or you're like version of hyperventilating you know? in the bathroom like a paper bag like oh, yeah yeah so, yeah so when we see like a video of fiona apple on you know a late night show mm-hmm. you know other than what she's giving us you know if she says something in an interview we're still seeing like the best version of her yeah you know um and it's it's i appreciate that she like breaks it down even more but you know i think that's like good to remember with us when we're looking at like other people yes you know we're seeing the best version of them you Mm -hmm. know so it's like we don't know them yourself yeah Yeah. we don't know them Mm -mm, not at all i feel like i know her like if she walked in here i would probably die first of all i would just spontaneously (laughs) combust but 
I feel like I know her, but I don't. I don't know her at all. So before I truly let you go, and it's been an amazing conversation about the record and around the record and everything, uh, you recently released a new EP. I guess if you want to talk a second about that and like where people can find you and the new EP. Yes. So the best place is Bandcamp. It's modernmoxie.bandcamp.com, but it's called Gutter Honey. It's six tracks. We had a blast making it. Um, I, lo- I love the album. I'm super happy with it. And um, it's everywhere you listen to music, Spotify, Apple Music, all all that good stuff. But uh, we have CDs available on Bandcamp, very retro. Um, it's our first CDs we've had. Oh, so wow. we're seeing how this is going. Yeah. Thought about tape. I was like, tapes? Vinyl is just like, I'm not even going to. It takes forever. I've We've had uh, records in the plant for over a year. That's what I've heard. And I was just too scared to literally even look into it because of the, t- like everything I've seen on Twitter and like, it just seems impossible. So I just avoided I, yeah. it altogether. I think it's a, I think it's a good idea to avoid it now. I say that even though I have records at the plant, um, but like I, I here's, if you really want it, and I know you've had stuff on vinyl, so it's like, oh, oh I want you know, it. I did it, you know, and it's great. But I think it's like if it's at the expense of people not being able to like hear your art, you know, I think you have to kind of weigh those things right now. And um, I think it's great that y'all did on CD. I feel like CD is getting like maybe an accidental resurgence due to the. I hope so. You know, so I think it's great though. I mean, I I saw someone someone tweeted something recently about like. You know, kind of like, oh, you're, you know, you're not Adele, you know, like you don't, you don't have to have vinyl to like go out on tour. And they were saying it positively. They weren't like kind of breaking down I saw that exact Adele. tweet and I thought it was great. Yeah. Like don't let it be a barrier to keep, to keep you from getting out there. Um, it's so cool to have vinyl. Like I really, really want it. But, yeah. It's amazing. But it's hard yeah. to ship. It, it melts. It's yeah. when it's hot, it's like a hundred degrees. There was, you a lot of issues but um but people do love collecting them so it we've talked about it for a really long time and uh just decided on cd because they're nice and small love shipping and then at shows people can just like pop them in their purse or whatever which is nice instead of me being like oh i'll hold it for you until the end of the show and then i've got all these everybody's records and then they forget them and then i have to meet up with them later you know how how it goes yeah yeah but yeah maybe we'll get it one day though it's never you know you can always reorder later yeah you could yeah easily yeah but i mean i'm i've definitely i love what i've heard of the ep and i need to dig into it more thank you and um i appreciate you coming on the podcast it's been a lot of fun thank you so much for having me i love this podcast it's a really good time i i my favorite episodes are you and sarah on there together honestly it's just so cute love it yeah yeah i love doing thanks for having me and um it's been great talking to you welcome back thanks again to madison for coming on the pod don't forget to check out the new modern moxie ep gutter honey Okay, next time on the pod, we're talking with Kevin Whelan of the band Aeon Station and also of the Wrens. We talked about Russia's 1981 album, Moving Pictures, so stay tuned. Once again, check out our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at spinningoutpod. 
Lastly, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you do that sort of thing. Reviews definitely help. Thanks, as always, to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week. <laughs>